This morning's scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verses 35 through 45. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus replied. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know, I, uh, I love my brother Greg. Uh, he, uh, he and I uh, grew up together, obviously. We're great friends. Uh, but like all brothers, we've had our moments. Um, you know, when you grow up with a brother, he's a couple years older than me. You kind of have the sibling rivalry thing going on. Um, you know, uh, we just had different personalities. He, I'm kind of laid back and easygoing. He's a little bit more fiery and intense. And, and so we had our moments growing up. He was the guy who, uh, we shared a room. He would fold his socks and hang him in his shoes at night. I just had a pile of clothes on my side of the room. So we, we, we it was kind of like an odd couple of things. So we had our moments growing up where we kind of always, we kind of, you know, kind of banged heads. Especially when he was in high school, he was a senior, I was a freshman, so I wasn't always, you know, the, the guy to kind of hang, hang around. He didn't always like that. But we, you know, we, we moved past that and, and there's a special bond that, that brothers have, right? You, you, you even, you put your differences aside and you come together and, and you work together and you love each other and, and you help each other through difficult things and difficult times in life. Well, this morning we're looking at a passage where Jesus interacts with two brothers. We're not sure which one's older, which one's younger, but they're two brothers. It's clear from the passage and from other places in the Gospels that they are brothers. And um, we're going to dig into this passage, but before we do, I want to give you a little bit of a background here about what we're doing in our sermon series. We're calling this sermon series, as you can see on the slide, Against the Current. And what we're doing here is we're looking at passages where Jesus teaches something or interacts with people. And we see Jesus call for us as his followers to go against the current. To be countercultural, you know, uh, to, to go against the grain, to live our lives differently, to be in it, to make an impact, to influence, but to be not of the world. So let's pick it up in Mark chapter 10 with these two brothers. Verse 35, then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Have you ever had that prayer to Jesus? God, I want you to do for me whatever I ask. Now, now James and John, the two sons of Zebedee, they were, they were two of Jesus' closest friends. There's the 12 disciples. That's kind of the inner circle. But the inner circle, the inner circle is Peter, James, 
and, and John. So they, they, they're not being presumptuous in the sense of they, they know they have this special relationship with Jesus. In fact, Jesus has a nickname for them. We see this in another gospel where Jesus calls them the sons of thunder. That's kind of a cool nickname, right? The sons of thunder, you know. Uh, and um, I, I imagine that Jesus probably gave nicknames to the other ten. We don't know what they were. But if you travel together with a bunch of guys, road trip, you know, for three years, hardship, excitement, danger, miracles, you're going to bond, right? And so Jesus probably gave them all nicknames. They, gave, they probably gave each other a hard time. And Jesus called them sons of thunder. It's kind of probably like if you see my brother and I coming, you're like, oh, here comes trouble. You know, sons of thunder, look out. And, and so these two brothers, they come together and they come to Jesus and they ask for a special favor. And they want an edge. They want to be on the inside of the inside. They want to, they, they, they want to be in the place of privilege. Now, it's easy for us to read this and step back and say, that's kind of selfish. I mean, haven't they been paying attention to Jesus and how he's lived and what he's taught and what he's done and what he's called us to do and called us to be? How, how could they do this? It's kind of self-serving. Would we have done any different, though? Or maybe a better question is, do we do any different? I mean, we all have dreams of achieving great things in life, right? We don't dream of being mediocre. We, we don't dream of being at the bottom, the bottom rung. When we're young, especially we dream of being a president someday or being a millionaire, billionaire or scoring the winning basket or hitting the go-ahead home run or the go-ahead touchdown. We, we have dreams and visions of, 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 of having the all-American life. We want to be great, or at least better than most, which is what James and John want. So we can identify with them. But we see here, to go against the current, we must check our motives when we make requests of Jesus. You see, our, our, our prayers, our requests, they reveal a lot about our priorities. And our priorities real, reveal a lot about our hearts. Now, don't get me wrong. James and John, they love Jesus. They've given up a lot for Jesus. But they come to Jesus privately, looking to gain an advantage over their closest friends. We want you to do for us Whatever we ask. They're sort of treating Jesus like their own personal genie. And and the current of the world flows strongly and it pushes us along. And they're kind of caught up in it here. Think of yourself. Look for an edge. Look for a place of glory and honor. Jesus, give us what we want. But as we see in this exchange, Jesus tells us, hey, be careful what you ask for. Pick it up again in verse 36. Jesus asked, what do you want for me to do for you? They replied, let one of us sit at your right and let the other one sit at your left in your glory. So, so James and John, to be fair to them, they, 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 they partially get it. They understand that Jesus is a king or is going to be a king, that he's going to have a kingdom uh, they just don't understand what it means yet, and they don't understand how Jesus is going to do it. 
You see, their frame of reference is that a king seizes power and he rules from his throne and he bends people to his will and they wait on him hand and foot. And when a king rules from his throne, what does he need? He needs a couple advisors, kind of a right-hand man. In this sense, a right-hand and a left-hand man. And James and John probably think, well, he's going to need this, so why not us? You, you don't get what you want if you don't ask. But Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup I drink? Or be baptized with a baptism, baptism I am baptized with? Now, what does Jesus mean by this? You remember the night before Jesus goes to the cross? Uh, he knows what's coming. He's agonizing about this. He's in the garden of Gethsemane. He's praying. And he says, Father, if this cup can be taken from me, take it from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Jesus says, you guys, I don't think you understand what you're asking for. And on the cross, Jesus is, is baptized with his very own blood as he bleeds and he dies for the sins of the world. And so Jesus says, can you, James and John, can you do this too? And they say, they're full of confidence. Yes, we can. And Jesus says, you will suffer. You will experience hardship and ridicule and pain like me. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. And so the other ten guys, they get word of this. We pick it up. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John, which is understandable. And then Jesus uses this as an opportunity to teach them something kind of crazy and cross-cultural or countercultural. Verse 41. You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. So we are to go against the current and seek greatness through humbling ourselves and lifting others up and serving others. Now, being great and wanting to be great isn't wrong. You know, part of what it means to be created in God's image is we are created to, with a desire to achieve and to accomplish and to create is called ambition. It's a gift God gives us. There's nothing wrong with that, but we miss the mark often in two ways. First, we allow the world to define greatness for us. Biggest bank account, best looking spouse, most accomplished children, best vacations, whatever, best reputation. But we miss the mark when we allow the world to define greatness for us. And second, where we often miss the mark too is where James and John miss the mark. It's in the steps that we take to become great. And James and John take the usual approach as we've seen. If you want to be great to get what you want, you've got to go get it. Ask for it, demand it, call in favors, get your foot in the door, use influence, secure your position. But Jesus says this is the wrong approach. You're looking at it wrongly. You want to be great. Let me tell you how to be great. Serve others, become their slave. Look at me, he says. I'm the son of man and I came to serve and not to be served. Greatness comes through service, Jesus says. It comes through seeking to serve, not seeking power and influence. So what would that look like? The following story was written by a man named Jeffrey Collins. Um, he worked in an, in a, in a city ministry. 
And Collins writes, it's been a trying week at our Love and Action office. At five o'clock on a Friday, I was looking forward to having a quiet dinner with friends. And then the phone rang. Jeff, it's Jimmy. Jimmy, who suffered from several AIDS-related illnesses, was one of our regular clients. I'm really sick, Jeff. I've got a fever. Please come over and help me. Collins writes, I was angry and frustrated. It had been a 60-hour work week. I did not want to hear about Jimmy. But I promised to be right over. But on the way over, I complained to God about the inconvenience. He writes, the moment I walked in the door, I could smell the vomit. Jimmy was on the sofa, shivering. I wiped his forehead. I cleaned up the mess. But I was angry inside. And then Jimmy's friend, Russ, who also had AIDS, came down the stairs. And he got sick. And I had to clean that up. And he says, I was ready to explode. And the Russ startled me. I understand. What, Russ? Jimmy asked. I understand who Jesus is. Jesus, he's, he's like Jeff. And Collins writes, I, I wept and I hugged Russ and I prayed with him. And Russ trusted Christ as his Savior, a God who used me to show his love in spite of myself and my attitude. To serve others like Jesus did means to serve even when we don't feel like it. It means to serve even when we are promised nothing in return. It means to serve no matter how mundane or insignificant or repulsive the task may be. We are most like Jesus when we serve those who can offer us nothing in return. And this is, this is not the way the world flows. This is not normal. I mean, if we're honest with ourselves, we often serve with the implicit expectation that there'll be rewards, that will be recognized in some way, that will be appreciated, that will be thought of as a, as a good person. But Jesus says that we are to serve for the sake of service alone because God has called us to do so. Jesus says, you want to be great, humble yourself and serve others. And then Jesus really starts to drive his message home. In verse 43. Whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. This must have shocked them. Okay, we understand serving, but slave? I mean, to be a slave, that's unimaginable. Why would you want to be a slave? I mean, last month we celebrated St. Patrick's Day, and it gets kind of lost in all the greenery and uh, the, the leprechauns and Irish stuff. But St. Patrick was an amazing man of faith. His story is that at age 16, he was captured by the Irish and taken from his home in England and put into slavery. And after six years, he escaped and he found his way home. But he had a growing burden for his former captors, for the Irish. And eventually he returned to Ireland as a missionary. And several times his life was threatened. He was thrown in jail. He lost his freedom. And yet he persevered. And eventually many Irish became followers of Jesus. Whoever wants to be great... Whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. St. Francis of Assisi grew up in a wealthy family in Italy, but he had a profound encounter with Christ. And he gave up his place of power and privilege and wealth, and instead he gave it all away to serve others and to love others. Whoever wants to be great must be your servant. The way the world says, seek power, seek privilege, use your power, use your privilege. Jesus says, go against the current. Give it away. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. 
In Philippians 2, it writes, it says this, In your relationships with one another, have the same attitude of mind Christ Jesus had, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Jesus was one with God the Father. And for our sake, for the world's sake, he gave up his position. He set aside his privilege. He didn't wield his power for his own advantage, but he gave it up for the world around him. Easy to say, sounds inspiring, but how do we do that? And do we want to do that? It can be confusing sometimes how to, how to do these things, how to live like Jesus in the world, how to have the biggest impact. But my advice to you is, is if you want to know which way is against the current, look for which way Jesus is going. Because Jesus was always, always going against the current. Jesus didn't say, study me. He didn't say, admire me. Jesus didn't say, agree with me. Jesus said, follow me, follow me, go the way that I am going, follow me. And Jesus took the path of service and of sacrifice. He went against the current and the ways of the world. Instead of seeking privilege, he gave it away and said to his disciples, do the same. Instead of looking to be served, he served and said, do the same. Instead of seeking his will, he gave it up and accepted his father's and said, do the same. Instead of seeking greatness, he humbled himself and put others first. And Jesus said, do the same. So let's, let's, let's make this personal. You know, one of our church's priorities is service. We've been really trying to do a, a lot of that over the years and, and really continue to kind of build upon that heritage we have. And, and we are compelled by God's love to go and meet the needs of others around us. So I encourage you to identify a situation in the community and in the church where you can serve, where you can serve simply because you want to honor your love for Jesus. You want to show your love for Jesus by loving and serving others. Identify a situation in the church and in the community. And like Jesus said, go and do the same. The old chorus that we used to sing years ago, maybe you remember it. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, be the servant of all. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your son Jesus and for the example that he set, the life that he lived, the sacrifices he made for us, the ultimate sacrifice that he made for us, Lord. Lord, we thank you that we are saved through faith in Jesus, not our own works, but yet, Lord, we are called as a response to your love and your sacrifice to go and follow your example, to go against the current, to, to give up our, our power, our privilege, um, our, our, our will, Lord, and to serve others and to love others as you have first done for us. Help us, Lord, to do these things in Jesus' name. Amen.